0: Chapter eighteen of Mary A Fiction by Mary Wollstonecroft This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pogon Chapter eighteen Pelades heard that her servant was to be married that day, and that she was in the vessel which she was then clearing out of the custom house. Henry heard, but did not make any remarks, and Mary called up all her fortitude to support her. Enable her to hide from the females her in internal struggles. She durst not encounter Henry's glances when she found that he had been informed of her intention, and, trying to draw a veil over her wretched state of mind, she talked incessantly. She knew not what, flashes of it burst from her, and then she began to laugh, she could not stop herself. Henry's smile was her Sally's, and looked at her with such benignity and compassion. That he recalled her scattered thoughts, and the ladies go in to dress for dinner, they were left alone, and remained silent a few minutes. After a noisy conversation that appeared solemn, Henry began, "'You are going, Marie, and going by self. Your mind is not in a state to be left to its own operations. Yet I cannot dissuade you if I attempted to do it. I should all deserve the title I wish to marry it. I only think of happiness.' Could I obey the strongest impulse in my heart, I should accompany thee to England, with such a step mind endanger of future peace. Mary, then, with all the frankness which admired her character, explained the situation to him and mentioned her fatal type with such disgust that she trembled for her. I cannot see him. He is not demand forms for me to love. His delicacy did not strain her, for her dislike to her husband had taken root in her mind long before she knew Henry. She did not fix in Lisbon, rather than France, on purpose to avoid him. And if Anne had been in insurable health, she would have flown with her to some remote corner to have escaped from him. I intend, said Henry, to follow you in the next packet, or shall I hear of your health? Oh, let me hear of thine, replied Mary. I am well, very well, but thou art very ill, thy health is in the most precarious state. She did mentioned mention her intention of going to his relations. I am her representative. I have duty to fulfill for her. During my voyage, I have termed enough for reflection, though I think I have already determined. Be not too hasty, my child, interrupted Henry. Far be it from me to persuade thee to do violence to thy feelings. We consider that all thy future life may probably take is cooler from thy present mode of conduct. Our affections as well as our sentiments are fluctuating. We will not perhaps always— Either think or feel as you do at present, the object you now shun may appear in a different light. He paused. In advising thee in Child, I have only thy good heart to marry. She only answered to expostulate. My affections are involuntary, yet they can only be fixed by reflection, and when they are, they make quite a part of my soul, interwoven in it, animate my actions, and form my taste. Certain qualities are calculated to call forth my sympathies, and knowing me all I am capable of being. The governing affection gives its stamp to the rest, because I am capable of loving one. I have that kind of charity to all my fellow creatures, which is not easily provoked. Not in deserted, the earthly love is the scale by which to heavenly we may ascend. She went on with eagerness. My opinions on some subjects are not wavering. My pursuit for life has ever been the same in solitude was my sentiments formed they are indelible and nothing can efface them but death no death itself cannot face them all my soul must be created fresh, and not improved It is a little while i am parted from my yarn i cannot exist without the hope of seeing her again i could not bear to think that time would wear away I could not bear to think that time could wear away an affection that was founded in what is not liable to perish. You might as well attempt to persuade me that my soul is matter, and that its feelings arose from certain modifications of it. The enthusiastic creature, whispered Henry. How are you steal into my soul? She continued. The same turn of mind which leads me to adore the author of all perfection, which leads me to conclude that he only can fill my soul forces me to admire the faint image the shadows of its attributes here below and my imagination gives all the strokes to them i knew i am in some degree under the influence of a delusion but does not with this strong delusion proves i myself from the subtler essence than the trodden clod of these flights of the imagination point to futurity i cannot banish them every cause in nature produces an effect and i am an exception to the general rule have I desires implanted in me only to make me miserable or they never be gratified shall I never be happy my feelings do not accord with the notion of the solitary happiness in a state of bliss it will be the society of beings who can love without the alloy of the earthly infirmities mixed with their best affections that will constitute great part of our happiness with these notions can i conform to the maxims of early wisdom cannot listen to the cold excels of the prudence and with my tumultuous passions cease to vex me be still find content in groveling pursuits and the admiration of the misjudging crowd when it is only one i wish to please one who could be your world well to me hark you not with me i am bound by human ties but in my spirit ever promised your love or could i consider when forced you by myself take a vow that at the awful day of judgment i must give an account of my conscience does not smite me, and that being who is greater than the internal monitor may approve of what the world condemns. Sensible that him I live, could I brave his presence, I hope in solitude to find peace. If I acted contrary to conviction that the world might approve of my conduct, what could the world give to compensate for my own esteem? It is every hostile and armed against a feeling heart. Riches and honors await me. Other court moralists might desire me to sit down and enjoy them. I cannot conquer my feelings until I do. What are these wobbles to me? You may tell me a full of fleeting good, an ignis fatus, but this chase, these struggles prepare me for eternity. When I no longer see for a glass darkly, I shall not reason about, but feel in what happiness consists. Henry had not attempted to interrupt her. He saw she was determined. demeaned and that of these sentiments were not a fusion of the moment, but well-digested ones, a high sense of honour and respect for the all virtue and truth. He was startled, if not entirely convinced by her arguments. Indeed, her voice, her gestures, were all persuasive. Someone now entered the room, He looked in answer to her long harangue. It was fortunate for him or he might have been led to say what in a cool moment he had determined to, to conceal. But when was necessary to reveal it, he wished not to influence her conduct, vain precaution she knew she was beloved, and could she forget that such a man loved her, or as satisfied with any inferior gratification? When passion first the heart, it is only a return of affection that is sought after. In every other remembrance and wish is blotted out. End of chapter 18